0: Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein.
1: Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. I'm here today with my co-host, Chris Gross from Free Donation Productions. How I- are you doing today?
0: I am good. Thanks for having me, Lindsay.
1: So me and Chris are sitting here looking at our new podcast mascot which i will hold for our youtube camera so we had talked about which episode was it we talked about the aquarium i think that was the one about the presentations like presenting your business and i had talked about how studies have shown if you look at an aquarium it drops your heart rate so i was talking about how i think about aquariums before i go public speak to drop my heart rate down so chris bought me this little toy um, fish aquarium.
0: It was it was so perfect. It was either like the day after we recorded that podcast or after we published it. My my mother in law gave me a Barnes and Noble gift card, and so I went to Barnes and Noble and I was buying a book. And as I was checking out, there was this little desktop aquarium right there at the checkout. And I looked at it and I said, "Oh, we just talked about this with <laughs> with Lindsay, and you had just had your birthday." And so yes. I said, "I'm going to get Lindsay this." This uh, this little aquarium. It was so
1: sweet. Except when I put water in it. We were laughing about this because, and I'm sure this probably doesn't show up on the camera, but this poor little red fish, he just can't swim. He's like nose down, upside <laughs> yes! down, into the rocks. He looks like, you know, he's on his last leg. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But the blue the blue fish is moving strong.
1: Yes, he's moving strong. He's good. So anyway, um, I don't know what this represents for our podcast, but...
0: <laughs> we should our- look at it as we are going into this episode with a blue fish mindset <laughs> there you go. and not the red fish <laughs> mindset.
1: I feel like we could use this now, this metaphor, in so yes, many episodes absolutely. now. Absolutely. Blue fish and red fish. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so what I want to talk about today is negotiating. How good do you feel like you are as a negotiator?
0: If you would have asked me this about 19 months ago.
1: Why 19? Okay,
0: so I'll tell because...
1: one year, two years, but 19 months. I'm trying
0: to think about (laughs) when I bought my last car. Okay. And so that was the best bit of negotiating that I've... done really and so about night that's why i say 19 months ago because i got my car about 18 months ago okay and so about 19 months ago if you asked me i said i i don't think i could have negotiated my way out of a paper bag (laughs) okay because it's not it's not really anything that i had ever i had ever done and then i went in to negotiate with my car and i i left feeling I, i accomplished the two things that i wanted I got him to pay me for my broken down car, for him to take it off my hands, and I got him to bring down the price, and I got the the little uh, the little aesthetic uh, piece on the outside of the car that I wanted, nice. and so I walked away. Now this was like a six seven hour negotiation. Wow, yeah, really? it was it was long because he did the whole well, you know, I, we really aren't supposed to be doing that. I've right. got to go talk to my manager and would disappear for like 20 minutes. And I imagine
1: he <laughs> you was just were just back there, like yes. taking shots or something. Yeah. Or like, like games on his
0: phone. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. So, but we, we tried to do that of our own is we, we went with my went with my dad because I'd never done this before. I'd never negotiated for a car I was playing the the bad cop, my wife was playing the good cop, and now I'm kind of worried about putting this on tape for the next time we have to go buy a car. If someone finds this, <laughs> they're going to figure out what our plan is. And so, my dad was very hard-nosed in it too, and we would walk outside and pretend to have our own heated negotiations outside. I love it. And so we'd leave my wife back were you in the actually, dealership like, having a
1: political debate or something. Well, there were sometimes
0: where we were talking, but then the 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 thing on the the decal that I wanted on the outside of the car, we would go out and I would pretend like I was angry and I was like, man, I want this so bad. I hope this is something that they give me. And so it was just like saying normal things, but I was adding like hand motions and I was raising my voice. And so we left my wife back in the dealership to kind of, to be nice, butter the guy up. And then we come in and try to, you know, try to hit him like that. But so after that, I feel pretty good you know that is hilarious um, now if I had to go in and do some kind of um, you know heavy duty negotiations and, and certainly with with our clients there is there is some level of that too but there's a lot of mutual um, mutual desire when we are negotiating things where when we went into the car dealership it's they want as much as they can for the car and I want to pay as little right. as I can right. for the car right. um, of course so, I don't know if I'm a pro. I don't know if I'm a pro, <laughs> but I felt like it when I walked out of the dealership that there day. There go.
1: <laughs> so, my grandfather, my dad's dad, recently passed away last week, actually. And um, this episode actually came about because I was thinking about something that he had once told me that I've never forgotten. And it was in regards to negotiations. Mm. And he told me... He who cares the most loses. Yes. And that has stuck with me. And I have realized over the years as I've Mm. thought about that, that it not only applies to negotiations, but it applies to a lot of different areas. No matter what it is. I mean, even take a household setting where you've got mom, dad, kids, right? He who cares the most loses. And I've thought of this so many times as a mom, um, in regards to, like, my kids dropping their backpacks and their clothes everywhere as soon as they walk in the door from school. They don't care that the house <laughs> looks like a mess, right? I care. Yeah. I'm the one that cares the most, right? right so right, in those scenarios, right. how many times does mom end up taking out the trash or doing the dishes or picking up the floor? Because mom cares the most. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So this... This quote really does apply to so many situations, and it especially applies in negotiations. So if you go into a negotiation being the one that cares the most, you're going to be the loser, mm-hmm. is basically the concept. I've been reading a book called Negotiation Genius, and it, it was probably one of the best books I read last year, and I'm going through it again this year. Um, but it basically gives some strategies for how even if you are the one that cares the most, how you can more or less I don't want to say bluff, but kind of bluff yeah you know and, and take strategies to get the most optimal deal that you can even if you are the one that cares the most. So here's a, here's a scenario I was thinking of too. Let's say you're in a grocery store and let's go back to the mom example you've got a toddler you take a toddler to the grocery store especially if it's around nap time what's gonna happen throw a fit (laughs) they're gonna see a candy bar yeah they're gonna see something in that store that they have to have (laughs) and you tell them no what's gonna Mm -hmm. happen they're on the floor yes they're screaming.
0: screaming yep yep
1: and so you as the parent, you're sitting here, you know, standing there looking at this child that is throwing a f- fit on the floor, screaming bloody murder, just like as if you're torturing them. In this situation, who cares the most? Yeah, the kid. <laughs> no? The most about having an amicable...
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the parent. <laughs>
1: the yeah. parent cares the most yeah. about resolving this situation mm-hmm. all the kid cares about is i, I want, want the that candy. candy yeah that is all the kid is going to accept he is going to accept nothing less than candy
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: so in this negotiation scenario here is the the parent standing there and the parents got to factor in all these other factors yeah. right yeah A, I'm completely mortified and embarrassed. Fear of judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is staring at me right now as a parent, and they all have their opinion about how I should be handling this situation. They're all judging me. They're all looking at me. Yeah, (laughs) The parent wants out of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you've got the factor of I've got milk in the cart. The parent's thinking about that. I've got milk that's going to spoil in this cart if we don't. Go home. Soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I need to keep this short, right? So the parent is most motivated in this situation to keep it short, get it resolved amicably with the least amount of embarrassment possible. Here's the kid. He, none of this other circumstantial stuff is factoring into his yeah. decision making yep. whatsoever. Yeah. I want the candy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Who's going to win this type of negotiation?
0: The kid is going to (laughs) win.
1: More than likely, yes.
0: Because you, the parent, and I know we've both dealt with this, Lindsay, is (laughs) you kind of come down to two scenarios is I don't give them the candy bar and they continue to throw a fit. And I have to deal with a child who is screaming as I'm trying to check out in the grocery store or I've already told them no. But I want them to calm down, and so I have to give them the candy bar anyway. Yeah. And so in that scenario, there's no winning.
1: Yeah. So he who cares the most about ending this negotiation is the parent. Yeah. And so, and there's so many factors that play into that, that that kid does not care about. (laughs) Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's just kind of a silly example of he who cares the most loses. And so taking that to a negotiation room, whatever it is you're negotiating. Maybe you're negotiating some kind of service contract. Maybe you're negotiating um, the cost of something, a car, like you said, a house, something, some big purchase. You know, in the business sense, maybe you're negotiating with a supplier. Maybe you're negotiating with a, a candidate that you want to hire. All kinds of situations where this comes into play. And no matter what situation you plug in there, he who cares the most, loses. So if you are the one that cares the most, what are some strategies and tactics that you can take to make sure you can still get as much of the pie as possible? Yeah. So, here's... Because
0: it's hard, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to go into negotiations like this, especially if it's something as emotional as a house or how you're doing business. I mean, there's a lot of times where you go into this... And it's hard, really hard, if not impossible to say, I'm going to go into this with zero care or as little care as possible. So I think this is something good because we realize there's a lot of things we are negotiating, especially for our businesses where we do care about what the outcome is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here's the first tip. Figure out what your next best option is, right? Like in your car scenario. Where, could you, where else could you have gone to get the same exact car that you wanted? And what price would you have mm. to pay for that car? Mm-hmm. You know, if using that example, whatever it is you're negotiating, maybe you're trying to hire an employee, what is your next best option for filling that position and how much would you have to pay them and what would they bring to the table? Going into the negotiation, knowing your next best option basically sets the ceiling. That tells you this is I will not go past this point because if I have to walk away from this negotiation, I have the option to do that. So you've set your ceiling. You go into the negotiation knowing what that is. On the flip side, know what the other person's best option is, because that's more or less their ceiling. And you need to know what that is. So figure out. What could they do if they walk away from the table? Could they go, if you're the buyer, could they go find another buyer to pay X number of dollars more than you're throwing out there? You need to know that. What is their best option? So in this book, Negotiation Genius, they tell a story about Teddy Roosevelt when he was in a political campaign. His campaign manager had printed up No, three million of these campaign pamphlets that had a photo of him and one of his campaign speeches. And they were going to um, distribute these as campaign materials. And they realized, as they had these all boxed up ready to distribute them, they realized that they had not gotten permission from the photographer that had taken the picture on these pamphlets. And they had already printed Yikes. three million of them. <laughs> and per the copyright law of that day, that photographer, had they not negotiated with him, would be entitled to one dollar per pamphlet. Woo.
0: Wow. Three million dollars. Yeah. So this was
1: back in 1912, I believe. So talk about, I mean, that's a lot of money now yes. in 2021. Imagine how much $3 million was. Probably a
0: billion or something like that. A lot. Yeah. A lot.
1: So they realized their mistake. So basically, their options are let the guy sue them for a dollar per pamphlet or destroy the pamphlets, which they had made a sizable investment to print 3 million of these things. So that would have been. A detriment to Mm -hmm. take that cost and eat it and not get any benefit that they would have otherwise gotten by distributing them so basically they're trying to figure out how can we negotiate and Mm. get the best situation that we can from this photographer so what would you do in this situation
0: so what seems like if i'm on the, the Roosevelt side, what seems like the best option to me is to go to this photographer and say, we, we will pay you something for these pamphlets. We're not going to give you $3 million because if that's what he wanted, then I would have just started over and done something different. So I'm seeing my using the terms you are using my ceiling as something less than three million dollars but my floor is also a certain value too because i want to do everything i can to avoid having to burn all these pamphlets and try to make new ones so somewhere oh i I don't know somewhere in the middle ish you know pay pay him something something significant but not the full three million
1: okay so i won't tell you the rest of the story until i talk about my next point okay my next strategy going into negotiations Knowledge is power. The more you can learn about the other side's position and where they're at, what their motivations are, um, what you can learn about the circumstances surrounding whatever it is. Let's say it's a real estate deal. Let's say you're trying to negotiate a, a piece of property, real estate property, and you happen to have the knowledge that that property is about to be rezoned for commercial which would drastically increase the value let's say one side has that information and the other Mm -hmm. side didn't because the other side didn't do their homework or maybe just wasn't privy to whatever it is obviously the person that has knowledge of that information they have they have power right knowledge is power But going into that, in fact, he even talks about this kind of situation in this book, Negotiation Genius, where they go to the negotiating table, and the one that had the knowledge that it was about to drastically increase in value never let on that information, of course, and got a great deal in their mind because they knew what it was about to be worth. The other party thought they also got a great deal until it gets rezoned, (laughs) right? So... Knowing as much as you can about the circumstances surrounding the deal and the position that the other party is in is power. So think about what this photographer knew at the point when they decided to negotiate. What does the photographer know at that point?
0: He knows that, well, certainly he knows that he could sue them if they-
1: how would he know that? Huh? See, at that That's point, interesting. he didn't even know they had printed his photograph because they had never talked right. to him about it. Yeah, so he didn't even know his photo had been printed. Interesting. Interesting.
0: So they—he doesn't know that they're using his picture right. already. Right. He doesn't they haven't
1: distributed it yeah. yet,
0: and he certainly doesn't know how many copies of this have been printed. Right.
1: So he has no idea that they are in this mm. situation that they're in.
0: So that you're right. That certainly changes yes. the the way you would negotiate.
1: So if if the campaign manager went in there and immediately said, "Listen, we've printed <laughs> three million of these. Would this be smart?
0: No, no, no,
1: not at all. So of course they're not going to divulge this information. Yeah. So with that in mind, what would you do?
0: You go in and you say, "Hey, we're interested in using your photograph for our campaign." And then you might even throw in something along the lines of, this would be great for your your career to see that one of your photographs is being used in some sort of presidential campaign. But yeah, I, I think you you leave out all of the detrimental information <laughs> that you yes. know, and instead <laughs> you say, hey, look, uh, i just love to use your picture for our campaign.
1: So it's funny you say that, because that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Keeping in mind that he does not know this damaging information and keeping in mind what is his ceiling. Mm -hmm. Right. What is his incentive? So thinking about it from the photographer's perspective. Yeah. If he didn't have his photograph out there, he gets no advertising for himself because his name is on it. Right. You know, so that's exactly what they did. In fact, they went so far as to say, "We would love to use this. Um, we're, we're looking for a t- photographer. Yeah, to use for this campaign. <laughs> it would be great publicity. And we're just wondering what you would be willing to pay to have your photo <laughs> on our campaign materials." So the guy, the photographer, ended up paying them,
0: yeah, two hundred and fifty
1: dollars yeah. to have his photo <laughs> used. In the campaign material. so
0: you've got a you've got a you've got a wild scenario on this and a wild scenario on this, and you've got a net gain of three million two hundred and fifty dollars yes. if you're the campaign. Yes. Yeah,. but there is a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of bluff. there's a little bit yes. of danger in there because you go to him and you risk the chance of him saying, Hey, look, I'd love for you guys to use my picture, but I'm definitely not paying you anything and I want you to pay me. So they did stick their neck out there a little bit by not letting on that they had already printed all these photos. And
1: he could have said that. But even if he had said, I I want to be paid for my photo, he probably would not have thought of the sum of $3 million because he did not have that information that they had printed three million already right do you think that would have occurred to him no 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 and so this is actually where and you and i were talking about this earlier negotiations in a lot of ways is like poker
0: yeah yeah it is it is
1: you know in poker they a lot of the professionals wear their sunglasses and their hats and they do everything they can to make sure Other people at the table can't read their Mm -hmm. emotions or their tells to make sure no one can see when they're bluffing or if they have a good hand or a bad hand. It's really a lot of ways the same way as negotiations, just like you were talking about with the car deal. Going out there and acting like you're angry. Right.
0: (laughs) You want to you want to let on if you're going to let let emotions or something show. You you want them to see not what's actually happening, but you want them to see what you want them to see.
1: Yeah, and it's the same with a poker game. Yeah, right? you know you
0: get you get a let's say you get an ace and a king. Yeah. in your hand, and you go, you know, you man got another bad hand or something, right? You want people to think that that you got crummy cards. Someone you don't keep want betting. Yes, you don't want them to know immediately off the but bat.
1: But you got to be careful with because then, then reverse psychology
0: yeah cuz they'll catch, on. Yeah. Because they'll catch yeah. on
1: if you're acting like it if you're still betting obviously your hand can't be that bad right yeah. so you got to play that even carefully
0: and and there's the aspect of it too where you know before you even get any cards on the table you know if you get if you get pocket aces you're not going all in right there cuz you're scaring everybody off right, right off the beginning off. Yes. so there is that 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 logic of how can i keep people moving on. Right. How can I keep them in here with me, even though I know, like in I their win. case, you know, I, I, I know what I have in my hand, but I cannot let them know what I have.
1: Yeah. So I've kind of got into the poker seat now. I really, <laughs> I really like <laughs> poker tournaments. So I went to San Antonio last week because we got our San Antonio office down there now. Yes. So I go down there about one week a month. And one of the guys that I networked down there, he likes poker, too. So we went this last week and played in a poker tournament. All right. And, okay, so how did this situation happen where I had a pretty decent hand. It wasn't like a hands down, I know I got this kind of hand, but it was decent. It was Mm a good hand. But the guy on the other side of the table goes all in. And I think he's probably bluffing, yeah. but I'm not sure. Yeah. And for me to call would require a big, a big chunk of change. Yeah, you know. So I'm sitting there debating, trying to weigh: is this guy bluffing, or could I beat him? And so I'm trying to read him, like I'm yeah. like pulling every resource <laughs> I can think of to try to read his body language. <laughs> yeah. he's one of those that's got the sunglasses and the whole nine yards, right? And finally, I'm like, I wasn't in the money yet. So I'm like, I'm not going to risk it because yeah. I want to make sure I get in the money first yeah. before I take risks like this. So I ended up folding. Well, he didn't have to show. Yeah. Because once everyone folds, you don't right. have to show your cards. Mm-hmm. But he did. And sure enough, I had a better hand.
0: Right. And so you would have like, won.
1: Crap. Yeah. Not only could I have won all that money, but I could have kicked him out of the tournament. Yeah. I was so bummed. <laughs> So there was a situation where he did well, like he, he played it perfectly to the point that I thought he, he might actually have something, but he didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Negotiations are a lot like that. Kind of making the other person sort of doubt what they know in a way, you know, they, they might have something good, but the way you're presenting, it's like. Oh, maybe this is the best I can do that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but on the other side, on the other flip side, here's the last tip I'll give, I guess is be likable. That is so important. Be likable in my opinion. Anyway, a lot of people take the strategy in negotiations that they're going to be kind of a, an aggressor, mm-hmm. a bully, if you will, even I personally don't think that's a great strategy. Yeah. I feel like people will give more to people they like. Absolutely. In fact, I heard someone tell a story about how they were making a car purchase. And he said, I don't understand why when people are buying a used car specifically, you know, they'll start nitpicking things like, oh, there's a scratch right there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, these tires, they'll start, you know, yeah. just criticizing everything about the car. Um, and so he was saying, you know, I think that is a terrible strategy to do i mean you're criticizing something that this person has had taken care of Mm, yeah um how is that making that seller feel right not great
0: and with something like that you know why would you want to give your car to i mean that's something you've loved and you've taken care of there's a bit of an emotional attachment there and so you come off immediately unlikable yes i think so yeah
1: so he took a different strategy. He was telling us that he decided, I'm going to actually build up this car. And yeah. so he just started talking yeah. about, you know, I love your car. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is my dream car. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've taken such great care of it. I just really love this car. Unfortunately, I I don't have the money to be able to afford it. Man, I wish I could. yeah, such a great car. So yeah. he took that strategy and it worked it paid off because the guy liked him so much that he ended up going way down on his price to match what he said he could pay for that car yeah and i think that was just due to the likability factor and the fact that he really appreciated what he was selling Mm -hmm. i think that goes a long way
0: i think it does and that's why you know when you when you go to buy a house they have you write what they call a, a a love letter Like when you include your offer, you are writing a letter and, you know, you say, hey, here's, this is my family. You include a picture, you know, my, I have a daughter, I have a dog. Yes. And so when we were writing our letters, it was around this time last year. And so, you know, one of the things we were writing is we are so excited for our daughter's first Christmas in a house to be in your house. Uh. And so you who are that? <laughs> and you absolutely are trying to, you know, Sway. and get look to be more likable. Yes. Right. And so we had one house that we bid on, and we had the wife who came back and she said, you know, out of all the letters that I've read, this one far and away just absolutely wow. blew us away. And it was to the point where. You know, for those of you who have gone through the house buying process, you know, at least in the negotiations um, or early on, there's really no communication between the buyer and the seller. You're going through right. agents and all that. But she was like, I want to make it a point. Will you please tell your clients that we that we loved this letter? Wow. And I was so impacted by that. And and I I told my wife at that point, I said, when we go to sell our house, I said exactly what you just mentioned, where. If I get a letter that absolutely I connect with, you know, and their offer is a couple thousand dollars less what? than the higher offer, then I say, hey, I'm way more drawn to the to the couple that took the time yeah. to do that. And so that's one instance where being likable yes. and presenting yourself in a certain way is is good for you emotionally but by but financially yes, as well
1: absolutely i agree with that and that's a good story a great example of that yeah so and i think that is very powerful on the negotiation table if they don't like you especially if it gets to the point where it becomes about the principle of the thing mm-hmm. where it's like I'm, i don't want to do business with you yeah like you yeah then you're really in trouble
0: well and then it's it, it gets to the whole thing of how much is this relationship worth? do you, were you so rude to me or dismissive or whatever? I think a lot of times it gets to the point where it's, hey, I'll go find someone else. Yes. And I'll even pay $100 yes. more to not have to, yes. to not have to work exactly. with you.
1: Yeah. And how many situations are, Do you do business with someone because you have a relationship and you like that person? Even if you know you could go get it cheaper somewhere else, Mm -hmm. because you have built that, you're not going anywhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, never underestimate the value of being likable and trustworthy. Those are huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, how can we... um, tie all of this in with our red fish blue fish. Okay, so <laughs>
0: red fish is the guy who comes in unlikable <laughs> and um doesn't ha- didn't do his homework and doesn't have any knowledge in the negotiations.
1: So he's nose diving into the yes. gravel. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> And then our fish that's staying afloat over here is the one who comes in likable, has done their homework, has their uh, has their argument prepared and ready to go. And they were the ones who said, "Well, we're not going to go tell the guy that we have three th- three million <laughs> copies printed. We are going to try and you know fluff him up a little bit and say, "Oh man, this would be great for you. Yes. This would be great for your career." So that was definitely a blue fish yes. move yes. By, by, the, uh, by the Roosevelt campaign Absolutely. to get that done. You know what? Honestly, just, I had never heard that story before. And I'm kind of surprised because that's like one of the most amazing, yes. honestly, like stories I've heard in yes. a long time. It's
1: amazing. <laughs> yes. It's so good. In fact, I Googled it after I read it in the book. I Googled it just to to read more about it. And yeah, I got more details. It was really good. So yeah, yeah. you Google Teddy Roosevelt, I don't even remember what I Googled, like $3 million photograph or something, and and I was able to find some websites with the story, so it's a really good one. That
0: is great. That's great.
1: All right, so how can people find you if they want to do podcasting?
0: Yes, you can check us out online, freedonation.live. We've got free advice, also a way you can schedule a free consultation with us over there, or just shoot me an email, chris, K-R-I-S, at live.
1: Okay, guys, I need your help. I'm going to tell them about my one-star review.
0: <laughs> yes. So we 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 should be doing this. And this is one thing that I, that I will tell you you get when you come to free donation. I am not so egotistical that I can't admit when I'm wrong. And there was this prevailing thought in the podcasting world for a while. Hey, don't tell people to rate and review. Stop telling people that because it doesn't do anything. And then someone did some research about five six months ago and they found out that it does so i admit that i'm wrong and um i'm gonna tell you this Lindsay's gonna tell you this if you like this podcast if you listen on apple uh rate review five stars if you're on youtube subscribe uh leave a comment and really i mean there's there's other ways too but if you found value if you found value in this then somebody else will find will find value in it as well
1: So we did an episode that was published, what, maybe two weeks ago called Raving Fans. Yep. And we talked about not only the companies that we're raving fans of, but the companies that we're not raving fans of. And then suddenly I get this one-star review that has no explanation as to why. Yeah, But I'm... Thinking that the timing is <laughs> very... It seems to
0: be a little too, you know, if it walks like a duck and it t- yeah. it's, it's probably a duck.
1: So I would really appreciate it if my listeners would be willing to offset that one-star review on Apple mm-hmm. and give us some love. If we have at all taught you anything or inspired you or helped you, would you be willing to to go leave us a, a good review on Apple.
0: Honestly, guys, like I'm, I'm not saying this to, to try and push you that way. I'm honestly saying this because it's the truth. It is so easy, literally. It will take you 15 seconds. You click on the podcast. You scroll down. If you think this is five-star worthy, all you do, you push the five-star. You write, Lindsay's podcast has been great. It has taught me a lot about business, and you hit publish. I mean that's honestly less you, than 15 well, seconds.
1: As this one star person has proven, you don't even have to write anything. You could that just is, do That the star is that is true.
0: If you don't feel like leaving a public comment, just leave leave the five star. Hey, and it's the same with uh the same with YouTube if you really found value in this comment, say, Hey, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But one of the other big things, and, and this is what I tell people on our podcast, and I hope I'm not stepping on toes here. Cause I feel like I've talked a lot, <laughs> but it's so what's even easier than that is sending the podcast to somebody else. That is a huge way to say, thank you to Lindsay. If you found value in this and I, and I truly mean that if you found value, value in what we talked about today and how you go into negotiations and in, in the past about how to create fans who love you and and, and love your business found ways that you can uh, you know kind of work the, the the tax system to the benefit of your business if you found value I guarantee you there are other business owners in your sphere of influence Yes. That would benefit from that as well you you click the share button on youtube it looks like a little arrow um on the podcast app i think it's a little it's like a little square with an arrow coming out of it and you just click that once and up come your contacts and you push share. it is thank you chris it's so easy and um it's it's honestly i'm Clark, correct me if I'm wrong, but these are the the best ways that you can say yeah. um,
1: thank you. I appreciate that, yes, yeah. of course. And I really appreciate all the support. Everyone who has listened and tuned in and watched on YouTube, I really appreciate all of you. It has been a lot of fun, and hopefully I will continue to add value to you. Um, and to contact me, um, info at sakline.com, and sakline.com is our website, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com. And the links to all of our podcast platforms and YouTube is on our website. So thank you so much for joining me today, Chris, and all of our listeners and viewers. Until next time, have a great week, everyone.
0: By the Books is presented by Secline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Secline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit secline.com or email info at Cicline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not, and is not, intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.